I can't tell you how, how, how my heart is moved and thrilled to be able to announce that they purchased that 150-acre uh, facility. And this was a dream that started years ago. And because of this church, first and foremost, primarily because of this church, because of you, your giving, your praying, your participating in this race for the last six years. And then, of course, other churches have come on board, and we're so thankful. Uh, local businesses have come on board and business sponsors out of this own church, and we are so grateful and we are so thankful. You know, it was uh, about four or five years ago, well, six years ago, that God put it in my wife's heart to start this race, Running to Rescue. And initially, as it was mentioned, we gave the funds to A21, which is another great international ministry to, to fight human trafficking. And then we realized, what could we do here locally? And then Chris Galanis' mom, Peggy, came up with Gloria, and they began to talk. And then they connected with Ken Stark, and then our very own CFO, Teresa Clark. And then I've always said, if you want to get something done, hire a woman. Can you imagine you get five women working together? They could change the world in no time. <laughs> Amen. So I'm in a, please understand my heart, I'm so proud to be a part of a church when it comes to a heartline ministry, the front lines of the cultural battle on abortion, fighting for life, and now human trafficking. What a joy, what a blessing. So the race, you know, it's a fun event to begin with. You can come and you can walk, you could run, you can volunteer, or just have fun and cheer others on. And, but when you sign up and you show up and you're a part of this, this is what is happening. You're a part of this home that has just been purchased by One Voice. And uh, soon it'll be renovated and it'll be open for business. And you and I will have a part in these young women whose lives will be changed. Come on, let's thank God one more time. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, some people want to live within the sound of the chapel bells. I want to run a mission one yard from the gates of hell. The old song goes, and, and so thankfully, you know, we're not just cursing the darkness, we're lighting candles, providing hope and healing for those whose lives have been through a tremendous battles. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Trinity Church. This is an awesome church, this is a generous church, and this is a giving church, and we're making a difference for the kingdom of God. Amen, amen, amen. All right. Well, we're, we're in Acts chapter, oh, you can sign up, <laughs> R2R, we have a booth set up in the foyer, and you can text R2R to 31996 and, and register if you haven't already done that. But uh, we finished Acts chapter 13, and now we're in Acts chapter 14, and I've entitled this chapter, A Scar Means You Survived. You know, someone said that scars are tattoos with a better story. I like that. And in this chapter, the Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian, in my view, that's ever lived, the Apostle Paul, he received his first scar for Jesus Christ. Look at what he said in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17, then we're going to be in Acts 14 here in just a moment. From now on, please don't argue with me about these things, for I carry on my body the scars of the whippings and wounds from Jesus' enemies that mark me. As his slave. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the incredible things that you're doing in and through each of us. I thank you for all the graduates, Lord, celebrating their commencement this weekend. Bless them. Bless them abundantly. Lord, I, I thank you for your healing touch in our fellow Texans in Santa Fe, Texas, through that once again horrendous shooting, Lord. Bring healing to the hearts of family members and loved ones that are grieving. And may our ultimate hope be in you, because only you can sustain us during times such as these. 
I pray your blessing now upon this message and everyone within the sound of my voice. That they would hear exactly what you want them to hear from your word and by your Holy Spirit on this Pentecost Sunday. I pray and ask this now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Paul was having a theological debate with those uh, living in Galatia because they were becoming very legalistic and thought that they had to go back into Judaism in order to be right with God. And he was saying, you're offending the grace and the spirit of grace. And so he's in this theological debate with them and he says, okay, stop it. Quit arguing with me. I've got the scars to prove I am a servant of Jesus Christ. How many know that's one way to win an argument? Show me your scars, I'll show you my scars. I've got more scars for Jesus. I'm right, you're wrong. That's basically what Paul was saying here. That he literally bore in his body the marks that he was a slave for Jesus Christ. It is said that when uh, the knights of King Arthur's court came back from battle, if they didn't have scars, he would tell them, go get your scars. I love that message. Go get, go, the big takeaway from today's message for you is, go get your scars. I was listening to the commencement speech yesterday, because our youngest son graduated, and and I, I couldn't hear it that well. Thank God for the closed captioning at the bottom. But I thought if I was up there preaching, this is the message I'd preach to all those graduates. You're not worth much if you don't have any scars. So as soon as you leave this university, go get your scars. I don't know if they would have liked that message or not, but I would have. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things for him. Imagine that. Paul, I have suffered the loss of all things for Jesus Christ. And when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ one day, he's not going to ask you for your medals. He's going to ask you about your scars. So here we go, Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. It says, the same thing happened in Iconium. Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers. So as we study, Paul and his ministry team, they leave the, the church of Antioch. They're sent out. They're on a missionary, their first missionary journey of the Apostle Paul. And everywhere they go, they're preaching Jesus. They're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. The first place they show up is in the synagogues. And they first preach there. And I love that it says they preach with such power that a great number, not a small number, a great number of both Jews and Greeks became believers accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, and were gloriously born again. But not everyone then and not everyone now is receptive to the gospel message of Christ. Because look at verse 2. Some of the Jews, however, spurned or rejected God's message. This wasn't Paul's message. This is not your message. It's not my message. It's not the message of Trinity Church. It's God's message, the message of Jesus Christ. And salvation through Christ alone, by faith alone. This is God's message. And we must be faithful and we must be loyal to the proclamation of that message. God's message. And so they poisoned, notice that, they poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. There's an element in our society today, and it's existed for thousands of years, for 2,000 years, that some people are not content in simply personally rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're only happy when they're able to poison the minds of others against the message of the word of God, the message of Jesus Christ. John, the apostle John in his letter, 1 John, he said in the world at that time, he said there is a spirit of the antichrist that's 
been released upon this world. And the spirit of the Antichrist has been working for the last 2,000 years and ultimately to poison the minds of unbelievers against the holy commands of God and his holy word. When I was a young kid growing up, my, my mom, hi mom, she's here for the graduation, so uh, everybody show some love to my mom. Thanks for being here, mom. This is not her fault per se, but right mom, when I was a little guy, less than one, she had some Jubilee furniture polish underneath the kitchen cabinet. You wouldn't think a little guy that's crawling would be able to crawl over to the kitchen cabinet, open it up, take out the bottle of Jubilee furniture polish, polish which by the way looks just like milk. And I took the cap off somehow and I drank that furniture polish. I was poisoned. Thank God my mom was alert and they rushed me to the hospital and did what they do to save a child that drank poison. You think, well, that's horrific, that's horrible. Yeah, but think about the poison that's spewing forth in our society and in our culture today. You know, sometimes kids are raised in a home and their parents poison their minds as they're raising them up. Poison their minds with racism, which is a real thing. That you don't like somebody because they might look different than you. Think about how schools, particularly public schools today, are poisoning kids' minds with heavy doses of humanism, nihilism, and Darwinism. That there is no God, a, a godless education, and we wonder why these young men are going in and mowing down their fellow classmates. The reason is because there is no God, there's no fear of God, there's no love, there's no respect, there's no more honoring of your father and your mother. There is no thou shalt not commit adultery or thou shalt not murder hanging on the classroom walls. We took those down in the 80s. We kicked prayer out of school in the 60s. And we wonder why the devil is living in the classroom right now. We need God back in our lives, back in our homes, back in our churches, and back in our nation once again. Think about how religious institutions are poisoning the minds of their adherents. Millions of people will be in churches all around the world this weekend. And many of those churches do not preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They do not preach the truth from God's holy word. They distort it. They pervert it. They twist it. And they literally use their pulpits and their words to poison the minds of, the, of their adherents. Paul called these doctrines of demons. Peter called them damnable heresies. Anything that takes your focus, love, and attention away from Jesus Christ is heresy and who Christ was and who Christ is and, and his second coming. The minds of so many are poisoned in churches. Think of the poison that spews forth 24-7 in all of the media outlets in, the, in our world today. These mass um, communication outlets, they, they profit in what? Debauchery. They profit in mocking all that is decent, all that is morally upright, all things that are against Christ. Most movies and music and comedy routines and video games and all social media platforms specialize in what? Poisoning the minds of young people particularly. Unsuspecting young people against his holy commands. And it's never been more rampant than it is today. I'm sorry if this offends you, but I'm 55 years old. When I grew up, I used to watch those Western movies. And in the movies I used to watch as a kid, in the cartoons I used to watch, there was a good guy and a bad guy. Now the lines are blurred. There is no good guy and bad guy. And there is a concerted effort, even in cartoons today, parents, you must be aware, to poison the minds of little children. When I was growing up, the good guy fought against the bad guy, and the good guy won, and the good guy got the girl at the end of the movie. 
And the good guy rode off on his horse with that girl off into the sunset. And they went off, and I assumed this when I became a Christian. They got married and had many babies and had a wonderful life and a wonderful family. But now today, and I say this with a broken heart, in every TV show, in every movie, they are, they are promoting and they are celebrating a non-biblical definition of marriage. And now these children, they see it as normal. We're shocked when we see it. Why? Because we were trained, indoctrinated correctly, in a godly way, about what families should look like. And I know this offends many because 60% of Christians in America today believe that there are multiple definitions of marriage that have departed from the teaching of Scripture. Why? Their minds have been poisoned. Here are some signs that maybe your mind has been poisoned. I hope not, but here are some signs. First of all, if you believe that truth is relative, that there is no such thing as absolute truth, your mind, my friend, has been poisoned, and we need to rush you to the hospital. You see, there is absolute truth. Christ is truth. Christ is more than truth. He's truth personified. He looked at Pilate, and Pilate said, what is truth? And truth was staring Pilate in the face because Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. Christ is the only way to eternity, the only way to heaven, the only way to forgiveness, and life eternal is through Jesus Christ. Did you know 50% of Christians in America, Pew did a research back in 2008, and 50% of Christians believe that there are alternate routes to heaven. And they're asking the question, why? Because of our liberal progressive seminaries are teaching that. They also said because of charismatic pastors in America today who have become wishy-washy and are preaching a gospel light version of the message of God. It's never been more important for us to speak the truth in love and to have a deep, firm conviction of who Jesus Christ is. He's, he is who he said he was and is, and he is the only way to eternity. You see, my friend, Christianity is exclusive, but it's also inclusive. What do you mean it's exclusive? Only those who put faith and trust in Jesus Christ will have eternal life, but it's inclusive. Jesus died for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And all that come to Christ, he will in no wise send away. All that come with a repentful heart, all that come to place their trust in Jesus Christ, he will receive you, he will forgive you, he will cleanse you, and he will make you one of his very own. And the call goes out to all, whosoever will, let him come and drink freely of the water of life. Listen, if you believe good people go to heaven, then your mind's been poisoned because good people don't go to heaven, saved people go to heaven. If you believe that salvation is earned, then your mind has been poisoned because for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If your thinking is that a person's sexuality is fluid and non-binary, your mind has been poisoned because your sexuality is binary. It's binding to either male or female. I never thought I'd have to preach like this when I started out preaching back in uh, 1989, full-time in the ministry. I never thought that I would, have to, I would have to form sermons and messages and I would have to present the truth related to what I'm talking about right now. But my friend, in the beginning, Genesis 5-2, it says, He, God Almighty, created them male and female, and he blessed them, and he called them human. When it comes to the human race, 
where it comes to the animal kingdom, there's either male, I'm talking biologically now, or female, and it's confirmed theologically. What has been confirmed biologically is confirmed and bestowed upon us from our Creator. You're either a man or you're a woman. Hallelujah. That's how God made you. Listen, every woman in here, every woman, every morning when you get up, you should thank God you're not a man. And every man in here, when, matter of fact, the Jewish rabbis, the, they have this, this practice. Before their, their feet get out of bed, before their feet hit the ground, they have a silent prayer. Thank you, God, you made me a man. Every man in here should thank God every day of his life. He made you a man. Amen. You say, well, Pastor Carl, I, I'm struggling. I, listen, it's okay. The s- struggle is a sign of life. All of life is struggle. Well, I'm struggling with this. I've heard this. My mind maybe has been poisoned, Pastor Carl, and I've got these struggles. That's okay. That's a sign that you're human. That's a sign that you're alive. But everything you have to struggle with in life, you shouldn't give in to. Everything that comes knocking on your door in life doesn't mean you have to answer it. And I want you to know no matter what your battle is, you might... You might come out with some scars, but I want you to know God is faithful. He has what he's begun in you, he will finish in you. Cling to the old rugged cross, Christ by his love and Christ by his power and by the Holy Spirit. He will bring you through and he could change any life from the inside out as you and I renew our mind according to the word of God. These individuals poison the minds of those in the book of Acts against the message of Christ. How do I know if my, my mind, if I've been poisoned? Listen, if you believe that abortion is truly a woman's right to choose, your mind, my friend, has been poisoned because it is the murder of innocent life. If you believe that you evolved from an ape, from a monkey, and you firmly believe that, I'm here to tell you then, my friend, your mind has been poisoned. So what are some poison prevention? And I'm a, I'm a poison preventionist interventionist today. In my message, here's what you need to do. Don't believe everything you read. Well, I I read it on the internet. Probably not true then. (laughs) The old saying is don't believe anything you read or anything you hear and only half of what you see. (laughs) There's some truth to that. Second of all, beware of hype and how people use hype to try to manipulate you. Don't buy into fear and scare tactics. Every false religion, every cult uses fear tactics and they try to scare people to manipulate them. You're better than that, and you're smarter than that. Look out for subliminal messages. I want you to know I don't preach subliminal messages. You come to Trinity, we are a crossroads, an intersection, where biblical truth and cultural, moral, social issues collide. And for some people, that may not make that. But I'm never going to give you a subliminal message. What do you think Pastor Carl thought about that? What do you think he was trying to say in that parable? Parables were for our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are here to preach the truth to a generation and age of people that need sound, rational, logical theology so they can navigate through the highways and byways of this world. Discern an individual's agenda. Everybody has an agenda. That salesperson has an agenda. doesn't mean that agenda is wrong, but they have an agenda. Every husband has an agenda. Every wife has an agenda. I have an agenda today. And I'll let you know unapologetically what my agenda is today. 
that those of you that aren't saved by the end of this service will give your heart and life to Jesus Christ and become a devoted follower of him. I have an agenda for every one of you that are backslidden right now. you got one foot in the world and one foot in the house of God. I pray that you would step both feet in the house of God. I pray that you will come back to Jesus. I pray that you would rededicate your life to Christ. I have an unapologetic, unapologetic, unashamed agenda. I want every one of you, if you're not plugged into a good life-producing, gospel-preaching, spirit-filled church, I pray that you become a part of this church. My agenda is that every one of you will get involved in the life group. You'll start serving and helping and making a difference in the world. See, there you have it. You're like, what's his agenda? That's my agenda. If you ever doubted it before. Poison prevention, follow Christ. Don't follow a denomination. Nothing wrong with denominations. But they love Jesus. Don't, uh, don't follow a, a man. Nothing wrong with following a man. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. But make sure you're following Christ. Don't follow a religion. Nothing wrong with religion if it's a, if it's a, a religion centered on loving Jesus and following Christ. But follow Christ. You're a follower of Christ. Prove all things. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Which means basically, do your own research. Just because you heard somebody say it doesn't mean you should believe it. Go to the word of God for yourself. Study the word of God for yourself. And, and do your own, your own research. Poison prevention. Don't believe every spirit. Try the spirits, 1 John 4.1 says. In other words, another way to say that is trust your intuition. If something doesn't feel right, sound right, it's probably not right. The Holy Spirit is your teacher, John said. He lives within you. It's like a Holy Spirit alarm clock on the inside that says, you know what? That just doesn't sound right. And it's probably not. So do your own research. Study to know, study the word of God for yourself. Poison prevention, don't follow the crowd. Proverbs uh, 14, 12 said there, says there's a way that seems right to a man or, or a woman, and in the end thereof is death. And then finally, poison prevention, don't be afraid to be different. You know the story in Daniel 3 of the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when everybody else had to bow at the sound of Nebuchadnezzar's music to bow to his image that he had created. And if you didn't bow, you would burn in his furnace. Those three Hebrew young men said, I'd rather burn in your furnace than bow to your idol. And because they didn't bow to the idol but took a stand for God, God made sure that the fire, once they were thrown in that fiery furnace, didn't burn them. We need some more young men and women that are like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and are unwilling to bow to the satanic pressure, peer pressure that's in our world today. Well, in verse 3 now of Acts 14, it says, but the apostles stayed there a long time. Thank God that they weren't, they, just, they didn't just blow in, blow up, and blow out. Thank God that if you're ever going to accomplish anything in life, you've got to be in some place. You've got to be committed to something for a long time. Thank you, thank you, God, that Paul and Barnabas were committed to this region, preaching the gospel for a long time. And they preached boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved their message that it was true by giving them power to do miracles, signs, and wonders. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion. But the people of the town were divided in their opinion. The people, there are many people, thousands and thousands of people in Lubbock today. Throughout West Texas, throughout Texas, throughout America and around the world that are divided in their opinion of whether or not Christ is who he said he was. Divided in their opinion about the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And really nothing has changed in 2,000 years. Some sided with the Jews and some, the Jews that were, that were poisoning their minds, and some with the apostles. Where do you stand? There's a story when the prophet of God, Elijah, took 450 prophets of Baal up on, on the mountain of God and, and said, choose you this day whom you will serve. How long will you halt between two opinions? 
If Jehovah is God, then serve him like he's God. If he's not, then serve Baal like he's God. But make a choice. Quit being wishy-washy and ambivalent. Quit having one foot in and one foot out. Either you're all in or you're all out. And so Elijah said, choose this day. Make a choice. Quit, quit vacillating between two opinions. We need, to, we need to get to the place like the Apostle Paul got to. He said, I know him in whom I have believed and I am fully persuaded. I hope you can say that today. I know him, Jesus. I know him in whom I believe and I am fully persuaded. Far too many people have an opinion about Christ and not a belief about Christ. And you know the difference between an opinion and a belief, right? They say that opinions are like armpits. Everyone has them and they all stink. <laughs> Unless your opinion agrees with Christ, it's not worth much at all. Everyone has an opinion. Arnold Glassow said, the fewer the facts, the stronger the opinions. They even said this about Jesus in John 7, 43. So that the people were divided in their opinions about him. And people today are still divided in their opinions about who Christ is. As I said, over 50% of Christians believe that there are alternate routes to heaven when there's not. Christ is the only way. I want to encourage you today, I hope, and, I, and listen, I, I hope you don't have just an opinion about Christ. I hope you have a belief, a firm, unshakable belief, a conviction. You know him in whom you've placed your trust. And you're fully persuaded he's able to keep you against that day, as the Apostle Paul said. And you know, really, we say, well, our beliefs determine our actions. No, I believe our actions determine our beliefs. You see, I know what you believe based on what you do. Sometimes we don't even know what we believe. All I need to look at is your schedule. All I need to look at is your daily activities. Your daily activities, what you do, says more about what you believe and what you value than anything you'll ever say. Because faith without works is dead. You see, here's what I know about you today. You could have stayed in and stayed safe. Who knows, that hail may come back again this morning. But you braved the potential threat of getting in your car and coming to church. And by that very action of you being in church today to worship with other believers, you are telling me that you have a strong, firm belief that assembling yourself together with other believers is a priority in your life. And I say, God bless you for that. Thank you for that conviction in your life. <clears throat> Scars are proof that you have survived. And by the way, Scars have a better story than tattoos. I like that. You know, uh, last night, you know, we have family in for these commencement ceremonies. And so uh, my father-in-law and my sister-in-law was in town. They had their cars in the front yard. And it started to rain, and then it started to hail. So I thought I would do a good deed and try to get my father-in-law's Cadillac to the backyard. We have a covered, a covered area in our backyard, garage area, to try to get it underneath that before the hail really started to come down. I didn't know how severe it was going to be. I've been here 17 years. In my part of South Lubbock, I had never seen anything like this. So I go out there, and they're like, you know, pea size. And I have a little raincoat on, a little hood, and I get in the car, and I'm driving. As soon as I get to the alley, it's like, like marble size coming down. And then when I'm getting out and trying to get into undercover, they're like golf ball size. And one binged me on the head so hard, <laughs> I started bleeding. I thank you for your compassion. I went in the house, I had blood all in my hair. I, I, I thought, now I know what I would look like if I go punk, the punk rock look. 
I had like this red streak. It kind of looked pretty good, actually. My wife's like, are you okay? I'm like, no, honey, honey, come take care of me. She's like, you're okay. It's just, just blood. It'll, it'll go away. No, they, they're like, hey, you okay? I'm like, yeah, I got a headache. You know, I'm like, wow. And then my, my nephew said, Pastor, Pastor, he said, Carl, Uncle Carl, he said, it, does it hurt? And I said, it hurts like hell. <laughs> H-A-I-L, hell. What do you think I just, we're in church. What do you think I said? And it did. It hurt like hell. It hurt like I was hit on top of my head with a golf ball size piece of hail that was coming down from the heavens, you know, who knows how fast. And you say, well, it didn't knock any sense in you. Yeah? Because later on that night, I went to the store to get some milk, and I brought my bike helmet with me. I was the only guy in the store, <laughs> literally true story, with a bike helmet. And the guy's checking me out, I mean, uh, the, 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 whatever they call them, the clerks, you know, ringing me up at the cash register. Are you riding a bike? I said, no, I'm just going to protect my head if the hail starts coming down again. And it did. I, I'm walking out. It starts coming down again. But they were just small little ones. So I, didn't, I didn't look like a doofus <laughs> with my helmet on. Sometimes you need a good bop in your head. It just wakes you up, you know. So if I'm not on my game today, now you know. They, they went through concussion protocol with me. And uh, as novices, they, they concluded that I didn't have a concussion. So I, I thought I'd come to church today anyway. All right. So here we go. Let's, let's wrap it up. Acts 14, verse 5. Then a mob of Gentiles and Jews, along with their leaders, decided to attack and stone them. This is Paul's first scar. The first marks on his body that was proof. He was a slave. Not of, not of Caesar. Not of Rome. Not of any man. Not of any institution. But of Jesus Christ. And when the apostles learned of it, they fled the region from Lyconia to the towns of Lystra and Derbe and the surrounding area. And there they preached the good news. You know, you can, you can slow a, a man or a woman of God down, but you can't, you can't stop them. I love the Apostle Paul. I, I believe he's a, the greatest Christian that's ever lived because he was unstoppable. You could slow him down. You could beat him. You could imprison him. You can, you, can, you can stone him and leave him for dead. We'll look at that this next two weeks as we finish out the 14th chapter of Acts. But he'll just get back up again, dust himself off, get healed, and he went back to preaching. That's a man that didn't have an opinion about Jesus Christ. That's a man that had a conviction, a firm belief. I've always, my walk with Jesus, I thank God for all the women that love Jesus. Sometimes you, you expect that from a woman. They seem to have a tender, more open heart to the things of God. But what I've always appreciated, what I've always admired when I meet men in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and above, men who love God. Jesus Christ with all their heart. There's nothing that brings joy to my heart than to interact and to see men in this church and men that I've had the privilege of, of, of coming in contact with. And I know this man loves Jesus. I know the world makes it look like a, a cool man, a, a guy that's really hip, a guy that's really cool, you know, uh, is a womanizer. Or a man that's really hip, that's really, really cool, you know, he's all about muscles and he's all about you know, doing all this fun stuff, and he's never in church, he's never, he's never serving his family or loving God. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But a man that really loves God, there's nothing as attractive and as admirable than when you meet a man unashamedly, like Paul, has a deep devotion and love for Jesus Christ. That's why when I get to heaven, I, I'm going to hug Jesus, I'm going to hug the Father, I'm going to I'm going to hug the Holy Spirit, and I want to find the Apostle Paul, and I want to shake his hand.
There'll be one person in heaven that will have scars. It'll be Jesus. Throughout all eternity, he'll have scars. as proof of his devotion and love. You see, the gospel brings change, but really it's a four-step process to that change. First, there's the communication of the message, the preaching. Through the foolishness of preaching, God saves some. But that preaching, when you preach the gospel, it's going to cause controversy. It's going to stir up controversy. And everywhere Paul went, from, from Acts 13 all the way through the rest of the book of Acts, everywhere he preached, it stirred up controversy. And then from that controversy came conflict. And only, <clears throat> excuse me, only after he communicated faithfully the message of Christ. And then the controversy was stirred up. And then the conflict surfaced. Only then, <clears throat> excuse me, did the fourth thing happen, change. You know, we, would all, we all love to get to this part, change. But we have to go through steps one, two, and three to get to change. When I first heard the gospel message, I was not open to it. It created controversy and conflict between me and any individual that tried to share Jesus with me. But ultimately, the seed of God's word, as it says in Isaiah 55, that does not return back to him void, accomplished what he sent it forth to do. I thank God that seed was planted. Jesus said there are four types of soils. There's the seed of the word of God that's sown on the side of the road and the birds come, the devil comes immediately and snatches it away. Some that's sown <clears throat> amongst the thorns and the thistles and the thorns and thistles choke it, the lust of the flesh and the deceitfulness of riches and distractions of this world choke out the word of God some is sown in shallow ground and it springs up immediately but has no root and so when the persecution when the sun comes out it withers and dies but then the seed of God's word is sown on good soil and it produces some 30 some 60 some 100 fold think about this process communication controversy conflict and change and I was thinking about this I, I sincerely thought about Martin Luther King Jr. and I thought you know this country needed an experience change in this area so he, and I love him, you know why I love him? Because he loved Jesus, that's why. He was under, and, and he was not motivated by hate. So many people that seemingly hijacked that movement, in my opinion, my humble opinion, they're motivated by hatred. He was motivated by love, love for God, love for Christ. And he communicated, and boy did he communicate, but it stirred up controversy. It created conflict. He lost his life, but it brought about lasting change. And I thought about this. I thought, you know, how many marriages end in divorce that could have been saved if that husband or that wife, not in a judgmental, hateful way, not in a demeaning way, but in a loving way, but in a truthful way, if they had that hard conversation, that tough conversation about some issues in their marriage or in their lives, if they would have been honest with one another in a loving way, maybe they, they had a professional Christian therapist or counselor or life coach that helped them navigate, but they were unwilling to communicate around a, an important issue and a hot spot issue in their marriage and work through that. And so they thought they were just ignored, but it didn't go away. It got worse and because they weren't willing to have that communication because it would lead to some controversy. It would lead to some conflict. It's not, conflict is not a sign. It's not always bad. It's a sign of life. But if you'll go through that process, it could bring about change, lasting change. Think about a business owner who's un, or, or a boss, a supervisor, that's unwilling to have that hard conversation with that employee because you don't want to serve controversy. You don't want there to be conflict. You're, you're always on the opposite end of, of the conflict spectrum. And because we're unwilling to have those tough but necessary conversations, many times we don't see the change and the good for everyone, even that person, because we're unwilling to communicate truth about a given situation. So what about your scars in closing? You have some scars, don't you? Scars are not just external. Scars are better than tattoos because they tell a better story. Scars are proof that you've survived. You see, there are not only external scars, and we all have some, right? Growing up as a kid, you, you, cut, you get cut here, or maybe 
You've been in a battle, and you have the battle wounds to show. Thank you. You've got your scars, don't you? Maybe you've been in some fistfights along the way. Maybe you had some injury. Maybe you overcame some, some operation, some, some cancer situation, and now you've got the scar to prove it. But then there are those of you that have some internal scars, and sometimes internal scars can be deeper and last longer than the external scars. The scar of a broken marriage. The scar of a life of abuse or addiction. But those scars don't tell all the story. Those scars are also evidence that healing has occurred. And those scars become a testimony. <clears throat> they not only show you where you've been, but they have, they, have, they have no indication of where you're going. This was a moment in your life, and now you've got the scar to prove it. But it's proof that God brought you through that battle. We've all had battles in life. We will all have battles in life. The joy is knowing in those battles, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll be with you always. And that scar is proof that you've been in the lowest valley of your life. But it's also proof that he, because he's faithful, has brought you through that battle. And now you have the scars to prove. And that's those scars that speak of his love, his compassion, and his faithfulness. Philippians 1, 6, he that's begun a good work in you will complete it until that final day. Scars are evident that you have survived. And so we don't shy away from those scars. We're not, unash we're not ashamed of those scars. Those scars are proof of God's love. And I feel right now, I don't know, I just feel by the Holy Spirit right now that maybe there's a young person, maybe in this service or maybe watching. Maybe you're into what they call cutting to create momentary pain to try to speak to the spiritual soul pain that you might be going through I want you to know there's a better way maybe you have some scars of that has been your past I declare that a new day is dawning a new chapter is being written a new beginning for you young lady or young man and what you have done you no longer have to rely on because you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother and Jesus is with you and Jesus has helped you and Jesus will continue to help you cling to that old rugged cross nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling every head bowed every eye closed father we humbly come before you today and we thank you for the scars that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will have throughout eternity those scars are proof and will be eternal proof of his love for each and every one of us he battled death, hell, and the grave. He defeated hell and all of Satan's cohorts on our behalf. The battle, my friend, has been won. The victory belongs to you if you'll place your trust in Jesus Christ. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here today and you've not ever committed your life to Christ, Jesus said you must be born again. He's standing at the door of your heart knocking. If you'll hear his voice and open up that door and Allow Christ to come into your life. He'll change your life from the inside out. Maybe you're here and you need to rededicate your life to Christ. Well, today's the day. Now's the time. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out loud with the rest of us. I'm going to ask you to say it with your own mouth and mean it with conviction from your own heart. Here we go. Dear God in heaven, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. There's only one Savior. His name is Jesus. I call upon you, Jesus. I ask you now 
Come into my heart. Come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I turn from sin to the true and living God. I receive his love, his grace, and his forgiveness. Dear God in heaven, you're now my father, and I am your child. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit and give me strength to live for you and serve you all the days of my life, beginning today for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we thank the Lord together, church family?